Morning, all you beautiful people. Welcome back to Lifehouse. Good to be here. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Again, thanks to Gary and the team for allowing me another chance to deposit. And last week we camped in the book of Acts a little bit. And reading through Acts, I was just captivated this week by another story in the book of Acts. It's about a guy who fell into the water. Anyone know Monty Python? And he fell into the water. <laughs> Except this time the oak fell out of the window. So the second story window with the heave and the hoe and the mighty throw. <laughs> no, that's a family joke, right? <laughs> Here we go. Let's get straight into it. Acts 20 from verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper room chamber where they were gathered together, and they sat in the, and they sat in the window a certain young man by the name of Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching until midnight, Eutychus sank down with sleep and fell down from the third story window, <laughs> the third loft, and was taken up dead. Dead. For what it's worth, Eutychus's name means fortunate. You think? <laughs> I think some of us can probably relate to our dear friend Eutychus here this morning. Let's start in the, in the beginning at verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, some interesting facts, firstly, about the first day of the week. The early church's first day of the week was Saturday. Saturday. The Jewish tradition was Saturday. They started their worship. And when the Christians became Christians, they were wanting to separate themselves from the Jewish people. And they decided to celebrate the Sabbath day or their Sabbath day, which was on the Saturday, on the Sunday. And they called it the Lord's Day or Sunday. And they did that for a couple of reasons. Firstly, Jesus died on a Friday and he rose on a Sunday. So to celebrate Jesus' resurrection, they said, let's change it to Sunday, firstly. A few weeks later, something came down, rained upon humankind, the Holy Spirit, on a Sunday. So the guy said, again, reinforcement, let's change our Sabbath as Christians from Saturday to Sunday. Thirdly, they wanted to differentiate themselves from the Jewish people. No harm, no pain. Let's just do it our way because we believe in Jesus' resurrection trumps your cultural interpretations. And the pagans around it in those days also had many gods that they were worshiping on a Sunday. So they said, let's go into our culture and infiltrate and change the pagan ways of worshiping our King Jesus. So that's the story about the first day. For you personally, do you start your week on a Sunday or do you end your week on a Sunday? If you're like me, for many years, it was your full stop. Sunday, kartu, madok slapi, Monday, we start the week again. How's about we turn this thing on its head? And like these early Christians, start your week today. And instead of closing it out with a full stop and being <laughs> Dead ant, feet in the air, feet in the wind. Start your week now. Get filled with the word of God. 
and move into the week energized and changed. It says also in our scripture up there that Paul was preaching for a long while. Up until midnight, it says. Gary, you've got some targets here, but... <laughs> Firstly, I want to put your mind, your, your, yourselves, position yourselves in that room where Eutychus was. In those days, it was in the early Christendom, early Christendom in the first century, first 10 years, 20 years of, of Christendom, somewhere around there. And they were still working on a Sunday. There wasn't this, this enactment or this enforcement to actually religiously go and take a day of rest. It was still forming back then. So Eutychus had no doubt in my mind come from a field that day. He'd been slogging, he'd been slaving, whatever his work was, working the fields. He came into a meeting. He's he's tired, he's sat after a long day, after a long week, and he's sitting in the service, just like you are here today with Paul preaching. It also says that Paul spoke until midnight. So here you've got a tired man, slogging all day, coming into an environment, and Gary, is, oh, sorry, uh, Paul is speaking long hours, long time. What's going to happen, do you think, to that man? Do we blame him for his comfortable surroundings that he found himself in, for his physical fatigue? And he fell out of the window. Kaboom. Ever happened to you? We're sitting in a meeting like this, and you dial out. You clutch out. There's reasons for it, which I want to expand on part of my little talk here today. There's reasons why, hello, hello. There's reasons why people dial out. But if it happened to you and you start catching fish, you say, I'm focusing, and you're now so intent. I'm going to listen to what Bruce is saying. I'm focusing in on him, and next moment, you, eyes are gone. As a lecturer for many years, <laughs> it's so funny being up here, seeing either yourselves or a student out there. They give you this stare. The head sort of go back and the eyes sort of go, and they're awake, but they're not. They're gone, absolutely gone. Nothing that you are saying is going in. It's, it's, in fact, it's coming in the one ear and pouring out the other. The eyes have glossed over. They've gone a little squint, and the oaks are forcing themselves to, to listen to you. Right? Never happened? It happened to me just this week. Just this week. <laughs> I went to a corporate function, and it was long. We started at half past eight in the morning, and we finished at half past four that afternoon. That is eight hours on the trot. Okay, we had a break for lunch and stuff. And I knew I was speaking about this. I'm thinking, Bruce, yeah, you're such a wally. You know, here you're talking about this, encouraging people to stay awake. Watch out for the drowsiness in your life. Don't fall asleep in the service. Don't fall asleep because what happens? And kamina. Guys, kamina. It's like catching fish, big fish. You know, when you, when you actually fall asleep and you jerk so much that you want, what? did anyone see that, you know? looking around you. So Eutychus, our man Eutychus, fell into this deep sleep. And the Greek word for fell into this deep sleep is the start is the word hypnosis. So he was literally hypnotized. He was hypnotized because of his state. Paul goes on and on and on. He was just like the Ever Ready Bunny. Remember that old TV ad with the ding, 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 little bunny? Was it the, what did I say? Duracell bunny with his ever-ready batteries. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and he went on and on, and Eutychus is just making listening noises. Mm -hmm, uh-huh. And he's watching him, and his eyes are going squint. I wish you guys could all have an opportunity to be here to see.
team for dancing. <laughs> Last week, the week before, maybe it's very boring. I'm sorry if it is. But it happens in real life. It happens to you. There was a, a story of a guy like you and me and us sitting in the, in the pews here. keeping. He was a pew warmer. He'd come on a Sunday after a long week, and he'd be sitting there making listening noises. And as soon as the preacher got up to stand and preach, he started clutching out. And he started making all the listening noises and stuff. But his cue in the service was when anyone said, let's stand, he was up. As if nothing had happened, nothing had changed. Let's worship, let's pray, let's do whatever. And that was his cue. And the minister was standing up in front and he was saying, brothers and sisters, pounding the pew, brothers and sisters, do you want to stay in your sin? Do you want to remain in your sin? Do you want to go down that road? He said, if there's anybody here that wants to do that, stand up now. And then, stands up. Oh, pastor, I don't know what you were saying, but it looks like it's just me and you on this one, buddy, you know. <laughs> so there we have. Our friend Eutychus found himself in this exact same position. He'd slowly moved to the back. He was sitting in the windowsill, three floors up. Hypnotism overcame him. He dialed out of the service, and he fell out of the water, out the window. Here's some, let's look at some of the things. Maybe on board these things a little. There's a reason for his drowsiness. Firstly, it says up there, there was much light. And there was a crazy reason or reasons why there was much light in the early Christians' lives and in their places of worship. Number one, because there were rumors going around. Rumors that these early Christians are a promiscuous bunch. You know what that means? They were sexually immoral. And in fact, they were also cannibals. Go figure they were sexually immoral. Do you know why they said they were sexually immoral? Because they were preaching a message of love. Love. But what they didn't understand was this was agape love. This was divine love. This was Jesus' love. Not worldly, earthly love. And for those that were on the outside, they said, these folks are talking about love. They're preaching love. They must be in this rooms doing immoral stuff. So what did the Christians do to counter that? They put lights. By the gazillions. If you like my wife, you walk into our house at night for life group or whatever, we have an occasion, there's candles all over the show. There's light, light, light. That's what happened here. Here's what Jesus was saying. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love each other. This is the way Jesus loved, not the way the world was interpreting. So they totally, these pagan communities that were out there, totally misunderstood this concept of love. And you'll remember, I remember it by apes, A-P-E-S, agape love, the divine love, P, phileo, is it phileo love, the brotherly love, this friendship love that we all have one for, other, for one another, the E for eros, erotic love, intimate love. And then storge, 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 not Italian, storge, storge, family love, familiar love. And they were confusing this message of love that the Christians were bringing into this pagan world. And they said, you must be immoral. They also said, you are a bunch of cannibals. Go figure that one. And you know why? Simple little reason. You know why? Because they were eating Jesus' body and drinking his blood. Go figure. How misinformed, how mis interpreted, misunderstood with these Christian people in those days. What did they do? They made the house light, full of light, so that anyone passing by, anyone could see and know there's nothing untoward going on here. Nothing. This is from God. This is a, 
This is a story. And so quickly how things can turn around, hey? Gary, one year. <clears throat> there was a certain lady, and this lady was celebrating, and she was having a big party at her house. She dialed the bottle store, and she said, please, immediately, if not sooner, send one of your Uber Eats people and send me a case of vodka. I'm celebrating. We've got people coming around. And little did she know that she didn't, in fact, dial the bottle store. She dialed Gary's number. And when Gary said, <clears throat> excuse me, Leisha, um, this is Gary. It's not the bottle store. I said, but Gary, what are you doing in the bottle store? And that's where the rumors started of Gary having a drinking problem. It is not true. Okay. That's quickly how rumors start, right? <laughs> that's the way it happens. Immediately, people can jump onto the negative thing. And isn't that like a human natural response? You're waiting for a call and the phone rings. What's your immediate, what's your immediate thing when you get a call from someone like your daughter hasn't phoned you for two weeks? Just saying. And she phones you for the first time. And what's, your immediate, what's our immediate tendency? Something's wrong. Something's up. Right? Isn't it? That's human nature. Such a tragedy when that happens, I think. But here's what Titus, in the book of Titus, it says, to be pure, to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. What a shame. What a tragedy us human people are. That we can think of those early Christians as being cannibals and sexually immoral. So in order to put that right, this is what they did. But, think of this. They lit lamps. The oil lamps were burning. I've got one in my house. Leisha and I, um, in the middle of winter, I went out to a little pick and pay around the corner because we burn a lot of candles. And it gets quite expensive when you're burning a lot of candles. So I thought, mm-mm, I'm going to be clever. I'm going to buy an oil lamp. And we put this oil lamp with this oil and I turned out the wick and we got it all wet and I lit it. Look at what comes out the top, for those of you that know. It's just truckloads of smoke. Smoke as that wick is burning and it's black and it's thick and it makes your house smell and you smell and the environment smells and I like candles now. But in those days they had... <coughs> I'll contribute towards Lisa's candle fund. <coughs> they had lamps to make the place light. Now, in that environment, we were sitting in this environment, not knowing, because when you're in it, you're not really picking up. And all of a sudden, we started feeling drowsy. We started feeling drowsy. Why? The oxygen in the room was being depleted by this damn candle, by this damn lamp. It was chowing up all the oxygen and putting in this big black stuff. You, you, you see what I'm saying? And this is where Eutychus found themselves, right there and then. However... Eutychus, I don't believe, would have fallen out the window if he had a heart of, as you're sitting there listening, I've got to teach what I'm hearing today to someone tomorrow. I have an opportunity when I get home to speak to my family and to teach them what Bruce was speaking about, for example. I've got an opportunity at work tomorrow. I can start, if I haven't got one, a Bible study group and get your folk together and teach them about what you heard, about what you learned. What about a close friend or a family member, those that are far away from the Lord that you can encourage, those people in your sphere of influence, those friends of yours? What happens if you're sitting here rather, and I'm also there, don't forget, right? I'm also there, but when your heart is, I'm taking in to give out. And when you have a heart of you've got to teach something, trust me as a lecturer and a skydiving instructor for many, many years, 
if you have to teach this stuff, you're going to learn it plus. And instead of sitting there, you're going to be taking copious amounts of notes. This scripture, that scripture potentially, right? Or, Bruce, can I get your preach? Or give me the, the document. And here's my slide deck. Blah, blah, whatever. Because I've got to give it out. That's a different heart. That's so beautiful. I found that the best way to learn something is to teach it. I'm sure you will agree. As a skydiving instructor <clears throat> on Saturday mornings, and Gary's been there before as well, you come for a day course. In the world now, you don't have to do the military style where you've got to go months and months and months and jump out of high towers and all that kind of stuff to learn how to skydive. You come in the morning, half past eight we start, half past four that afternoon, you jumping out of a plane on your own. <clears throat> I've got X amount of literature that I've got to give you. You've got drills that you've got to show me as to when I or you jump out the plane just now this afternoon, are you able to save your life? How do you think those guys are sitting in that classroom? Do you think they're nodding off like Eutychus or like some of you or some of me? Or do you think they're intently focused, hanging on every word? Because if I don't and if I get something wrong, they scrape me off the top and like a lump of strawberry jam. They scrape me. You get the point, right? It's called intentional listening, and people are going to intently listening when they know they've got to give out. Those students at the end of the skydiving day have got to show me in a harness. I put them in a harness, and we fling them around, make their world a little bit chaotic, and they've got stuff to do. They've got drills to do. Open my parachute. If it doesn't open properly, get rid of my parachute. Open the second one. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah? They're intently listening. What an encouragement for you to say, if I've got to give it out, let me get it down. Got to give it out, let me get it down. Here's a suggestion at work, at play, for those who are bosses, for those who have family devotional times. Take what you're learning on the Sunday and give it out. Give it out. Otherwise, you're going to get sleepy. You're going to start catching fish. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah, oh. Some things to consider about giving in. So Eutychus decided to move to the back of the church, to sit in the windowsill. Maybe it was a noble thing that he did to stay awake. Yeah, he wanted some fresh air because, hey, things were a bit bright and things were a bit smoky. In Israel, there are two seas. The top one is the Sea of Galilee, which you've heard about so many times in Scripture. And the bottom one is the Dead Sea. Look at the geography here. And I want to draw this back to me and you. The geography is up north of the Sea of Galilee are many fingers. The Jordan River starts and the Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee. The water flows out of the Sea of Galilee. In the Sea of Galilee, it is teeming with life. I've put some picture on the top there just to show you. Joy, happiness, life, fishing boats, people going and having a good time on the Sea of Galilee. It wasn't always like that, right? Because there were storms and stuff that we read about in the Bible. But in this picture, it was perfect. The Sea of Galilee rocks. You can go fishing there. You can go snorkeling there. You can have a good time. The water carries on down the Jordan River, and it flows into the Dead Sea. And guess what? It's dead. There's no outflow from the Dead Sea. So what happens? The, the, sea of, uh, the Dead Sea is bigger, as you can see. It's in a dry, arid area. 
So it's out is evaporation. It's a hot area. It's a hot part of the world. Pot, pot, hot, pot, pot, eh? A hot part of the country. And there's evaporation. And <laughs> have you ever seen inside your kettle when water evaporates? What stays behind? It's crystalline stuff and it's calcium and whatever the deposits on the water. That's the Dead Sea. Nothing goes out except up by evaporation because of the heat. So you've got all your chemicals. You've got all your, Richard, you'd help me out here. I don't know what's all, minerals and floaty things and dead things. And guess what? There's no life. No life in the Dead Sea. In fact, look at the dude reading his newspaper. The, sea, the water in the, in the Dead Sea is so dense and so thick, full of all this muck. You can actually lie in it like that. You've seen the pictures, right? Encouragement is to people like me and you, to us. We can also be like the Sea of Galilee, or we can become like the Dead Sea. And the difference is, I'm giving something out. Just like the sea is not giving out, if you don't give out, you're going to blow up. You're going to get full and full of stuff, full of knowledge. Full. And if you're not blessing others, if you're not walking others, if you're not being close to Jesus, but also giving out, and as we we're saying in the prayer meeting, being the hands and feet of Jesus, what's going to happen? You're going to become dead. See, you're going to move from the front of the church over time to the back of the church, and you're going to fall out the window and die spiritually. I'm not suggesting at all that anyone sitting at the back, you're in trouble or you've got a problem. Okay, not just yet. Come to the front next time. I've seen it so many times. I've been in churches for many, many years, this one included, different venues. You can see people, and I was just saying in the, in the prayer meeting earlier that isn't it so beautiful when you get new Christians and they're so fired up and they're so amped and they're so full of the joys of God. And over time, they slowly... They're in the front, and they're praising and they're worshiping. Slowly, they one chair back, two rows back, three rows back, and eventually they're at the back, and eventually they're out the back door. Well, you've seen that? I've seen it so often. It's so sad. It's so sad. But we can do something about it. People are like my combi. It starts to miss, and it misses, and it starts to... Rectal and rolls, got a V6 three liter in it. It was an aftermarket thing. They took out the air cooled motor and put in a Ford V6 three liter street eater. Anything it eats is petrol, like a lot. I think I get four or five Ks a liter. Anyone want to buy a combi? It's going cheap. Misses a bit, and eventually it stops working. And by analogy, us too. When you start missing, when you start not coming, when you start not communing with the people, with the, you're going to start missing. And eventually, you're going to stop. You're going to stop. And you're going to go out the back door. Experience, in my opinion, is one of the best teachers around. Don't be the guinea pig. Look at what others are doing and learn from what others are doing and change your life and change your ways. It's not an option to fall out the window at the back. It's not an option. You might think, this is fine by me. I'm all right, Jack. I'm doing okay. I have church at home. I watch online. Oh, shame, big guy. Come. Come. <laughs> you get the point. How do we recover? Firstly, let me just, yeah, let me just mention this. Not giving up meeting. Uh, this is an encouragement. This is not a bash. This is an encouragement. This is from Hebrews. 
not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Not giving up meeting together. Life groups, churches, functions, work, events around brothers and sisters. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What they're talking about here. We do not know when the day is coming. When is Jesus coming back? Oh God, I pray it is soon. Because the world has gone mad. Mad. And I think I'm going a little, I'm going, what is Queen Freddie Mercury? I'm going slightly mad. When you see me glitching, you know it's time. It's not an option, folks. Not an option. So here's the recovery from Paul. Here's what happened in our story. Look at this. This is so beautiful. And Paul went down and fell on him, on Eutychus. Eutychus had fallen out the window, deader as a doornail. How do we know this? Because in the apostles and in the disciples that were there was a doctor by the name of Luke. He wouldn't write or allow the story to be falsely written if it weren't so. Dr. Luke was there, and Dr. Luke would have pronounced this man. Then Paul went down and fell on this man, embracing him and said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore came up again, they'd broken bread and eaten and stayed a long while longer. <laughs> they stayed a long while longer. Gary, Paul, preached until midnight. He fell out the window. Chadunta fell on him, life in him, and they stayed a lot longer. And they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. That's like a, double Afrikaans. I think this is Afrikaans. Could be Afrikaans. They were not a little comforted, meaning they were so happy. They were, they were so glad. They were so full of the joys of Jesus. I like how the story ends. It ends on such a high note. Paul, the guy that was preaching, didn't go to the people and say, you see, you see, if you don't stay awake, you're going to die. It's possible. He didn't do that. Though. He didn't do that. What's the heart of Paul? What's the heart of Paul? He didn't come down on him. He went down to him. Let that sink in. He didn't come down on him. He went down to him. He fell on him. He loved him. He breathed life into him. Isn't that such a beautiful thing? Our friend Eutychus sprang back to life. There he was, alive and full of the joys, and everyone was super happy. Here's a key. Listen carefully. Here's a key in this message here. You might know someone that is spiritually drowsy. It might be you. It might be a family member, husband, wife, brother, sister, daughter, child. Someone's, someone's in a bad way. Someone's dying spiritually, and you're seeing it in them. Maybe your husband. Maybe someone you care about. A person that perhaps at some point in their life was on fire like when we were first born again Christians, on fire. But over time, they haven't been giving out. They've been moving back to the church. It says, and here's the part that I love, Paul went down and embraced him. You know what I love about, and I, was, I said just now that the best way to learn something is to teach it, right? And in my preparations for this teach, preach, talk, I have learned so much more. The different stories God led me to other parts of the Bible, different stories. To, and in the interest of time, I'm not going to do them all. But one in a similar vein was the story of Elisha. In the book of Kings, there's a story about Elisha. 
And Elisha kept coming to a town, and there was a rich widow, it says, who would now remarried again. But this rich widow, when the first time Elisha came, she said, come into my house, come. And she convinced him, and that became a ritual. Every time Elisha came into the town, he would stay with Elisha and her new husband. She didn't have a child, and she desperately wanted a child. We've ever heard this story before, right? What happened? Elisha prayed, beseeched God, God, please bless this family, and they had a child. Years later, the child walked with his father into the field one day, and he said, oh, Dad, I've got such a headache. I've got such a splitting headache. Take me home, take me home. Went home, and the child died. The rich widow sent for Elisha. To cut a long story short, Elisha told his servant to go and lay a stick, his crook, his crook what do you call it, a staff, onto the boy. He said, no, no, not this time. I want you to come. And Elisha went, and we pick up the story in verse 34. And he went up, and he lay on the child, and he put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands, and he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. Verse 35. He returned, and not yet alive. He returned and walked back and forth in the house, and again he went up and stretched himself out on him. The child sneezed seven times. Now you can debunk that another time. And the child opened his eyes. Eutychus falls out the window and dies. Paul lays on this guy, loving him, bringing him to life, getting his warmth. Elisha lays on the boy that he prophesied and asked God for that had died. Lay on him, mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand, heart to heart, breath to breath on this boy. And he came alive. You know people like that in your life? Go and come down on them. Go down to them. When last did you have somebody in your life that is spiritually dying, spiritually dead, in a place of challenge with the Lord in their life. You can see it. They can't see it. You can see it. When last did you go to that person and lie with them, be with them, face to face, eye to eye, mouth to mouth, talking, loving, caring. Why? Because I love you. Because you summon in my community. Could be a father, could be a parent, could be a child, could be somebody that God has put in your sphere of influence. Don't come down on them down to them. I love you. I'm committed to you, my friend. I'm committed to you, my son. I'm committed to you. I'm going to stay with you. I believe in you. I'm here for you. I'm your safety net. And it says they were comforted not a little. Again, the double negative. Eh? They were so happy. Do you think that mom was happy that a child came back to life? Do you know people like that? My encouragement to us today is to spend time with the Lord. Get close, get close, get close. On board, take in as much as you can in your teachings, in your learnings, with the aim and the heart to give it out. Because if you don't, you're going to become like the Dead Sea. When you yourself are so full of life, when you yourself are so full of love of the Father, when you yourself have been communing and reading your Bible, when you are full to the brim, fill me up, Lord God, fill me up. When you are full and you go and touch 
and you be with someone like that, they cannot help but by you and what God has deposited in you, the Father's love, be touched and changed into a place. It's absolutely true for me and for you. If you have got no intention of jumping out of that airplane, you'll be sleeping until the end of the sermon. Good luck. If your intention is to take it in and to give it out, you will change the lives of people around you, your family, those that you care and love for. If you are drowsy, don't give up. Don't give in. Give out and watch what God does. Amen. I love you. Jesus loves you. Don't become drowsy. Don't fall asleep. Don't pull away from communing. Don't pull away from communing with the people of God. Take it in with the aim of giving it out.